Welcome to Columbia Food Chat, and we have a great episode lined up for you, but before we get to that, uh, just a few housekeeping notes um, and, or announcements that I'd like to share with you. First and foremost, if you have not signed up for our Sweet Surprise Tour, it runs from October 1st to 15th. I highly encourage you to do that. Ticket sales are about to be ending soon, and so you want to go ahead and grab those as quick as you can. It's going to be um, a really neat experience where you get to sample seven locally owned dessert shops and get a little sweet surprise at each place. Um, it's going to be a really great concept and, and it's going to be a lot of fun. So uh, go ahead and get those snatched up as soon as you can. Take the time and, and tell somebody about this podcast. You know, share it on your Facebook feed or give it five stars and subscribe. It would really help me out and, and spread the news about this podcast and get more people listening. And I'd really appreciate that. So for today's episode of Columbia Food Chat, we have a man known only as Mike Wine Guy. And while you may have never heard of Mike before, I guarantee you all of your favorite restaurants know exactly who Mike Wine Guy is. And that's the reason for that is because Mike is actually supplies a lot of the wine to the local restaurants. And if you're anything like me, wine can be kind of intimidating. I typically don't know you know, what wine goes with which dish or really anything about wine. And if you're like me, you know, it would be valuable to sit back and just listen to Mike and his wisdom on the topic as we explore wine in this episode of Columbia Food Chat. Well, Mike, welcome to the show. Howdy. This is exciting. Well, well, thank you so much for being here. Why don't you start out by telling our listeners, you know, a little bit about who you are and and what it is that you do. Sure thing. Uh, so I'm Mike, uh, the wine guy, uh, and I uh, started in the restaurant industry. My first Columbia, I guess, nicer restaurant, I'll say, I guess, was a restaurant called Harper's, which was in Five Points. Now there's a place there called uh, Something Barbecue. God, it's going to kill me. Uh, they have the game changer. It's a nice barbecue, home team barbecue. Thank you out of Charleston. Um, but they, uh, that that's where Harper's was for the longest. I think they were there from 94. I left a couple of years before the end, but, uh, you know, until very recently worked in the back of the house, front of the house, managed, uh, really cut my wine teeth there as well as restaurant and everything else. Uh, and for years and years, I basically begged all of my wine reps to tell me the second I could become one of them. And eventually uh, somebody moved to a different spot. And I remember going outside by the dumpsters on the phone and saying, so listen, Jenny, did, did you get fired or promoted slash is your job available slash should I feel like a jerk for asking you this? <laughs> and she, she did get a nice other job and she was very happy to help me take her job. Uh, and, and, uh, that was, uh, eight or nine years ago is a while. And so I've been doing this since, but I sell wine to restaurants and country clubs by day and by night. I do fun wine events and try to get Columbia to, to, to drink better and get people in the real world to see that Columbia has a great culinary scene and we're worth you stopping and not going straight to Atlanta, Charlotte, Hilton Head, Charleston. So let's, let's kind of back it up a little bit and just say, first and foremost, like how did you get interested in wine? It's a, it's a great question. Um, well, I, 
my my uh, the mother's side of my family is Italian. Uh, and so I've, uh, or Sicilian, depending on who you talk to. Uh, so I'd like to say that there was a lot of, of drinking from an early age, but there wasn't that much, but there was a little bit of that. I mean, my, my grandmother, she, she passed away, uh, I guess a decade ago, I met my Nona, you know, a little like three foot two, uh, old Italian woman. And she was the first person to give me something to drink, which would be vermouth, which is not, uh, you know, red vermouth is not that far a cry from actual red wine. Uh, so I've always had an interest there. And then working in a restaurant, I think actually the time that I came into restaurants, even in Colombia, you know, we're not in the fancy cities or whatever, but, you know, it was when there was the, you know, the Hell's Kitchen, the start of all those different TV shows and people were trying to figure out how to, you know, deconstruct their French toast and whatever. And so you kind of get into all that stuff and just selling wine, you know, when you work in a restaurant, whether you're a server or you're in front of the house, I mean, it's, it's a compliment to the meal and you sell it, you drink it, you get into it. And it's kind of hard to not, hard for me not to fall in love with it. So, so you mentioned that you sell wine to restaurants. So are you kind of responsible for helping a restaurant come up with their wine list? Uh, To an extent. So I, I will say in the, in the state of South Carolina, you know, my particular company, uh, the laws here, if, if I say I sell, I'm not going to say a name of a wine. I mean, say I sell a particular winery. Nobody else can sell that. My competition can't sell it and I can't sell their wines. So it is uh, it is fairly competitive as far as that uh, is concerned. And I want to say last time I checked, there's like 29 different distributors. So there's a lot of different companies uh, that are vying for these particular spots and then have different people doing whatever. But, you know, some restaurants take like, so, so Hampton Street Vineyard, for example. So Hampton Street, uh, it's owned by uh, Jonathan Lopez, who is, you'll probably have on here. It's some, Oh, you had Cody, you had a chef on uh, a yeah, couple episodes ago. Yeah. Um, but, but, you know, so, so he was just, uh, Jonathan was displaced during COVID and he, uh, well, he moved here a couple months before COVID, but anyways, he's a New York advanced Psalm, which is a, uh, he's the only one in the city that I know of. And one of maybe a handful in the state. So uh, my relationship with him is, Hey, this is what I have. Uh, tell me what you want. You do, you know, but there's no way that I would be like, Hey, let me train your staff. So steel hands is a brewery out in uh, West Columbia, Casey. They're the same city in my head. Uh, but I recently did a nice staff training out there and I helped them. And when you think of a brewery, you're not thinking of, you know, I want to order some, you know, Von Romany or something, you know, it's like whatever. Uh, but still they're very, uh, they want their staff to know what they're talking about and to be educated about wines, even if they're spending 90% of their day talking about and serving beer. So I came out there and was with the staff a couple of weeks ago and we tasted through and, and I'll tell you, they were one of the more uh, inquisitive staff trainings I've done. I'm like, I didn't even know what to do when I walk into a brewery and, you know, we're talking about by the end of it, by dynamics, climate change, blah, blah, blah. They want to know everything. And I loved it. So yeah, I, 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 I try to fill the gaps of if the restaurant tour has everything great. If they, if they want my suggestions, even the ones who know what they're doing, they'll ask and I'll probably over volunteer because I'm long-winded as you've noticed by your second question, 14 minutes in. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that, that actually brings me to a, a point here. You know, I don't know a lot about wine and it's something that's always interest me, but you know, if I'm at home trying to maybe cooking dinner and I want to pick out a, a, a bottle of wine that goes with my dinner, you know, it's kind of intimidating. So can you kind of give us some pointers on, you know, how, how to be able, be able to begin to, you know, do something like that? Like, are there some rules of thumbs that we need to know? 
That's that's a great question. So, uh, yes, I, I would start with um, the old uh, Pirates of the Caribbean, which is you know they're not actually rules; they're more like guidelines. And and I don't I, I don't subscribe to super hard and fast. Uh, there could be people who are way better at all of this that might have a different opinion. But uh, my my general rule is always good wine, good food, good people. You know, good company is going to be a good experience. So, so I'm a big fan of that. But beyond that, there are um, there are probably a couple things that can kind of point you in the right direction, uh, which is, you know, I, I would say the the easiest of all rules if you really want to kind of get into something, you know, at your house is uh, what uh, it goes with what grows. You know, that's something along that lines is what everybody says. So if you're if you're drinking. Uh, if you're having a dish from like a provincial fish stew or something from Southern, you know, maybe get a rosé because that's really popular there. Uh, old world versus new world is, is terribly uh, different in their style. Now, that's not to, to you know, poo-poo on either of them, but a lot of the, I feel like at least at the inception of it, a lot of the California wines, which are, which are great and keep the lights on in my house are more of, let's talk about the wine. This is the thing, uh, traditionally. Uh, and then I think in the old world, when you're Italy, it's like, you're going to go to this little, you know, this little town of Greve in the middle of Chianti. And this is what they eat. And this is what they drink because this is like their side salad. This is not their, you know, it's, it's just a, a part of it, which is, it's also part of the, you know, we have sort of the stigma here of, it's so funny to, to for over years of trying to get people to have a glass of wine with lunch. It's like, no, 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 wine is it's alcohol. It's part of dinner. It's a thing. I can't do it in front of this set of people, you know, as opposed to no, no, this is just, this is just part of it. The food and the wine make everything better. So anyways, what goes with goes grows with, or whatever you want to call that. So, so that's a good general rule. Uh, beyond that, I think the big thing is kind of the structure of the wine. Uh, so if a wine is acidic, uh, which means that what I'm drinking right now is, is a little acidic. So my mouth, it, plus I'm talking, but when you salivate that, that pairs very well with pretty much everything. And you get that. That's a great thing to go on. You're looking for the acid, but it, it can match the acid in a, I'm drinking something Italian, which, you know, is a region where they do a, a little bit of tomato based things. And so, you know, you get, it pairs very well. Um, a lot of people, you know, want to worry about the weight. You don't want something too big versus too small. So if you're having a, a nice delicate piece of, of white fish and then you're having a big Napa cab or something, there's a good potential you're going to barrel over it. Um, but the real things that I would just say to watch out for is something that's very spicy. If your food is spicy, it makes almost all alcohol taste like pure alcohol. So it makes your wine taste like vodka or something. Uh, so if it's spicy, try to match it with something that's sweet. Uh, they, yeah. and I know we like to pretend we don't like sweet wine for some reason, but you know, if you have like some nice, uh, you've got a cow tie and, and order one of their, their Rieslings or something when you're having it with one of their spicy, you know, pad Thai or I, I make everything spicy when I eat there that that will match, but otherwise you're going to kind of ruin your wine. You should just stick to a cocktail or something. Uh, and then sweet is the other one that I really think you want to watch out for, because if you're having, um, if you're having a dessert, if, if your wine is not sweeter than the dessert, there's a good chance that your wine's just going to turn into uh, nothing, you know? So that's, it, it just, it will just, it's not going to kill the wine won't taste bad. It's just going to taste like you're drinking water or something, which wastes all the money you spent on the wine. Cause you could just drink water. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. well, great tips. Uh, I really appreciate that. Now uh, kind of going along with that, you know, is there a proper way to, 
drink wine. You know, I've heard people say you're, you know, first you're supposed to swirl it and then you're supposed to smell it. Is, 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 you know, what's your opinion about this? I think it depends on the purpose. Uh, I think you should probably know the reason you're drinking wine. So if I'm drinking wine and I am doing a blind tasting for all the different reasons you do blind tasting, either if it's going for a particular certification or if it's to get better blind tasting, or if it's just to, to test yourself and have fun with friends, then, then you turn into a detective. So, you know, you put your Sherlock hat on and then you go through the, let me smell it. Let me, you know, all the, the, I guess what you're going through is the S's that I'll try to mention, but I'll probably miss them. But you know, you're, you're look, you're swirling it, the swirling, I'm doing this in front of you as though this is a video I can podcast. See it. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I forget. Uh, but you know, the, the swirling is is initially for the aromatics. So so what it is is that um, you know oxygen for the most part is the is the the devil of of wine. You know, so we try our best to kind of keep it out of wine for the entire process of making it and bottling it and aging or whatever. Uh, but the second that the court comes off. We want the air to get into it as quick as possible because you're starting uh, all these chemical changes in here, which is what's going to allow you know the, the nose to be way better because you're actually going to have the, the the esters and everything else is going to react right up into your nose, the alcohol, so you can uh, the aromas so you really get into it. So you're kind of opening it up, and that's what a portion of what decanting is. So you're swirling it for that. Uh, you're seeing it uh, again, detective game. So what I'm looking at here. I, I would usually look down on it. You can look at the legs. That is the biggest misnomer. All the, the, the legs you hear people talk about wines. Um, they're like, oh, good legs. This is a great wine. Now that, that means there's a lot of alcohol in it you know, because of the rate at which the alcohol versus the water evaporate. That's literally all that's, or it's a syrupy sweet thing. Uh, but that's the thing people look yeah. at. For me, that tells me if it's higher alcohol. And then you kind of look through, you know, is this wine something I can read through? Is it a thin? Is it heavy? And it's just, um, but anyways, and you're smelling, you taste all that. That's if you want to play detective and figure out what this wine is or why it's interesting. But if you're drinking it for yourself, uh, just enjoy the thing. I mean, I, I, me, even, even me, like I, you'll, you'll watch me. Like I, I do the whole, like a, I swirl and I, I suck in air of when I'm drinking water or soda or whatever. And it's, it's, just force a habit, but it does. I mean, it, it makes you get it in, but you know, ne never forget to stop and smell the wine and just enjoy it and not get too stuck in your own world. That's great advice. Now, is there um, a difference between um, you, you mentioned swirling the wine, you know, like doing this for like a red wine versus a white wine? It's, it's the same concept. Uh, it's, I mean, the, the words, the phrase you'll hear is opening it up, but it's, it's really just trying to get that air into there as quick as possible to really get. Now, I, I, I wouldn't recommend swirling too much with um, a sparkling wine because you're, you're generally going to swirl out the bubbles, which a lot of people really like about the sparkling wines. Uh, in general, yeah, you're just trying to enjoy it. That sounds good. I know that you represent several different restaurants as far as different um uh, you know, places that you sell wine to, but let's just say I'm the, I'm a consumer that's, that's wanting a, a good bottle of wine at home. Um, you know, is it okay just to go down to my local Walgreens and, and pick out a, a bottle or is there somewhere that I could go to maybe get a little bit nicer bottle of wine? And how would you recommend that, is, that I decipher what's a good bottle of wine versus a, a not so good bottle of wine? That is a fantastic, uh, uh, several part answered loaded question, but I love it. But first of all, I would say, um, when it comes to uh, getting a bottle of wine, if you're buying wine anywhere, 
good for you. This is super fun. You should do it and go home and drink your wine and enjoy it. There, there, there's, there's not a bad thing there. Uh, I would say that the second thing I would say was, and it depends on where you are when you, when you get into my particular circle of geeky ish, pretentious people, uh, we always do a really good, uh, poo-pooing all over, you know, uh, grocery store wine, you know, wine that's not from a fine bottle shop, but, you know, at the end of the day, I, that's all great wine. And, you know, a lot of these wineries are, you know, when a winery buys out another winery, you know, they, they're, they're the big guys sometimes, and they put all this money into marketing. That's how we see it. But they also are the same people. uh, A lot of times who can put the money into better equipment, better vineyard sourcing, you know, getting winemakers to experience, blah, blah, blah. So uh, it's, I can't, I can't think of an illusion in the other world, but, but either way, if, if you're buying wine, if you like the way it tastes, you bought a great wine. It could have cost you two buck chuck or you know three hundred bucks or whatever. If you like the way it tastes and you're happy what you paid, whatever it was great. That being said, if you need some direction, and I think you said it either before we got in the air or not, but you're talking about it, uh, wine being intimidating. I, I, I'll tell you that it is never going to stop being intimidating, and that's the fun of it. So what? Whatever you know about wine, you can always know way more, and you can probably know way less. And there's no reason anybody who makes you feel weird about it, that's uh, that, that's a, a person who ruins, makes wine not fun for any of us. Uh, so, so whatever, you know, just just enjoy what you're enjoying. But, but I'm a big fan of going to places where you have a person who actually uh, sells the wine, is intimately involved with it, and is happy to talk about it. So I, there's a lot of places. I'm going to use Gourmet Shop. I think it's a great example. There's plenty of... Yeah, uh, I mean the guys at Morganelli's. I mean, uh, like Tony and everybody there. Like John Morganelli. I don't know when he opened that place up, but it's like the it's two minutes from my house and great people. And they'll talk to you because because these are the people. You know, Brian and Morganelli's bottles. You know, Matt over there, whatever. These are people who uh, they've tasted all of these. I can tell you a whole lot about my wines that happen to be in there, and then I could tell you about well, I don't know what this is, but it's from Willamette. It's this grape. I'm expecting it would taste like this, but I can't tell you who produced it or what they're doing different than, you know, whatever. But, you know, you have the the buyers who spend there. you know, I mean, Brian over at Gourmet Shop, you ever watched a Gourmet Shop? You know, it's this this one dude who's been there for, he, he looks like he's way younger than this, but he's been running this place for like 20 years. He's been the, the wine buyer there and uh, he tastes every bottle before he brings it in. So you, you look around, I mean, he's, Oh, I'm looking for this. Oh, go there. So I, I would say um, if, if you want to try something fun and new, I would go somewhere that actually has a, a real person who's the buyer and I would ask them what they recommend. And then I would listen. I sit with my mom in restaurants sometimes. And like, oh, what should I order? And then they give you like three things. And you're like, well, I don't want any of those. So if somebody is, you know, if they, if you give them some ideas, listen, I see our meeting time's going. So I'll stop with this question. But that was, but no, that's you- what I would say. Listen to the answer. <laughs> Okay. And what about, um, you know, you've mentioned, you know, you can buy, you know, $2 chuck or a $300 bottle of wine. You know, what is it that makes one wine so much more expensive than another wine? Great question. Lots of elements to that. Uh, uh, Supply and demand can't be overlooked. You know, if if a lot of these, uh, uh, the ways that people make some of these great, greatest wines in the world, or they fix it as they lower their yield. Uh, So if you're, you're, you know, particular set of grapevines or vineyard can produce X amount. If, if you're constantly trimming and only producing the, 
the smallest amount of that, the idea is that you're going to have the best juice from those. So that real estate is huge uh, everywhere, but like, you know, you see all these guys from Napa and Sonoma who are either going, you know, up to Washington or, or down to Paso and some of these, other, you're paying for oak, uh, oak barrels. I don't know what they are now, but you know, if you're using last time I heard it, like French oak for one barrel is somewhere around 1500 to $2,000. You have to understand depending and and American is like two thirds the price of that, but the oak is expensive and you're not getting a lot out of it. Generally you're, you're using, you know, the very first use after the first use, everything is imparting less oak. So you can eventually do it to something, but it's not, you're paying for all of that. And eventually they're sold off to the Scottish because they don't care. They just, they buy the cheap stuff from us and they, they put their scotch in it, which is great, but you're paying for that. And then you're paying for time. And I think time is something that we don't think about. Uh, Barolo or Brunello or one of these highly aged wines, you know, the, the, the wines that are current released for these things can be uh, eight years old, like, because they spend so much time sitting somewhere, they're aging before they get to you. Like, uh, imagine if whatever you were doing eight years ago, what was that, 2016? I'm not good with math, whatever. But uh, imagine that you did not get paid for the work you did until today. So that's then plus 2017, 2018, 2019, 2019. You're, you're not getting paid for years and years on your work, but you are paying uh, whoever the grower is. If it's not you, you're paying the pickers, you're paying the light bills for a decade. You're, you know, and so the, the aging is, you know, it's a, a lot of it is silliness and it is, you sell it for whatever somebody will buy for it at the end of the day, but it's not completely just fluff. It's not just fancy. Let's charge $300 for a bottle. A lot of it really is keeping the lights on and making sure that our investment is worth the time and money we invested into it. Okay. Great. Great answer. All right, Mike, I, I, we're, I'm, no, we're about out of time here, but uh, I, I want to ask you one more question. I'm going to kind of put you on the spot. I do this to all my chefs when I have a chef on the show, so I got to do this to you as well. All right. If you, could, if, if you could have one wine to drink for the rest of your life, which one would it be? That is a, that is a toughie. That is, that, is a, that is a phenomenal question. Good for you. Um, I, I guess to reframe it, you know, just what's your favorite wine? <laughs> that, that actually uh, is even harder. Uh, <laughs> I would have a different answer for you tomorrow. Uh, it just changes constantly. But I guess uh, if it was my one wine, for the, and I'm not paying for it, to be clear, I get as much as I want and I'm not paying for it. Okay. Yeah. I, I'm saying, yes. is, does that yes, count? That is, okay. yeah, that, that if, is, yeah, you don't have to pay for it. Somebody else is buying. If I, if I get as much as I want, it's either going to be some sort of an amazing champagne. Uh, I, I don't know. Uh, I mean, it could be the top tier Blanc de Blanc for anybody out there. I don't care. Somebody who's great. Um, or it would probably be um, a like a Von Romany or a Romany Con, some, some Pinot Noir from Burgundy that I will never get to actually taste, but I know from its babies that it's delicious. Uh, so, yeah, I don't know. That's a great question. I would like to hear other people's answers to that. Yeah, well, well, with the chefs, I was asking about food, and uh, they always get a little bit stumped. So I figured I'd, I'd throw that little curveball to you. Uh, well, Mike, thank you one. so much for being on the show today. I'll have to have you back on because I could t- sit here and talk to you about wine forever and, <laughs> and listen to your advice and, and your knowledge. Um, thank you um, so much for, for being on the show. The same, man. I appreciate the opportunity. Go out and drink wine. Love it.
Thank you for taking time out of your busy day today to join me on this episode of Columbia Food Chat. And special thanks to Mike Wineguy for dropping by and sharing some wisdom and knowledge about wine. And remember, please share Columbia Food Chat with your friends. And don't forget to sign up for a food tour with me so I can show you around the culinary scene in Columbia, South Carolina at www.columbiafoodtours.com and join me again next time on Columbia Food Chat. <laughs>